Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, do speak to all of our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 47, 7. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old are you, art thou? And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. So let's think about Joseph. Joseph has done so much for Pharaoh. I mean, he saved the country from starvation, literally. He organized a new system of food storage and distribution. He brought the people of Egypt to love Pharaoh for for saving their lives and for choosing Joseph. And Pharaoh is going to see, it's coming, that Joseph's gonna even do more for him. He's gonna buy all the cattle in Egypt for Pharaoh. He's going to buy all the land for Pharaoh. He's going to buy all the people themselves for Pharaoh. I mean, Joseph has literally totally transformed this country of Egypt. And and um, and, and Pharaoh, as he looks at all this, he's just beyond words. What can he say? How much his appreciation to Joseph? And we when we look back over the history of what we see is how Pharaoh really took a big risk. This was a tremendous gamble. I mean, can you imagine how the country was just in shock when they saw Pharaoh pull a despised Hebrew slave out of prison and made him the ruler of all of Egypt and made this proclamation here so unusual that he says, in, he said in Genesis 41, 38, 41, 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a man as this? in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. I mean, Egypt was a land of false gods, and the true God was not known in Egypt, but Pharaoh saw the true God inside of Joseph. And, and it's no wonder that from the day that he met Joseph, Pharaoh had just really one focus, and that was on Joseph, because he had given all his responsibility to Joseph. And we can imagine how happy Pharaoh was that Joseph lived close to him in Memphis, and imagine how every day Pharaoh was just thrilled with what Joseph was doing. Can't you just see him saying, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? So so when we think about this, this is sometimes very much overlooked, 
It's this relationship between Pharaoh and Joseph that's so very, very special, where Pharaoh just has this tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for Joseph. I mean, Joseph and Pharaoh were close. They were very close friends. After all, it was Pharaoh who chose a wife for Joseph, and that should be your close friend who chooses a wife for you, should be your close friend. But this close friendship between Pharaoh and Joseph meant that whatever made Joseph happy made Pharaoh happy. And this is what this chapter is centered on because this it's this very close special relationship between Joseph and Pharaoh, which is why in verse 1, it's so important where we see Joseph reporting to Pharaoh that Joseph's father and his family had come to Egypt. And when you read this in verse 1, you can feel this excitement and this joy that Joseph had when we read in verse 1, then Joseph came and told Pharaoh. And we can imagine how Joseph was so excited. He came into Pharaoh and he, he's like breathless as he's saying, my father and my family, they're coming here. He, and they're down in Goshen now. That's what we see in verse 1. In verse 1, it's Joseph's joy and excitement to tell his close friend Pharaoh that his father and his family had come. And that's why verse 5 is so important. Because in verse 5, Joseph's close friend, Pharaoh, he has fused with the Joseph's excitement and his joy when he says in verse 5, and Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. You know, he's so happy. He's so overjoyed. He's picked it up from Joseph that he's saying, Oh, Joseph, your father and your family are come to you. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. So this great day, it has been building up to this, uh, uh, for Pharaoh to, to meet Jacob has finally come. And Joseph is so excited in verse 7, so delighted to, for his close friend Joseph to finally meet his father Jacob. So in verse 7, what we can see how is that uh, Joseph is kind of like making a present, and it'll be very elaborate with all this, making a present when he brings his father Jacob into Pharaoh. As it says in verse 7, Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now, when it says that Jacob brought in, uh, 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 Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, we can see Joseph doing so much to honor his father. I mean, we remember how, 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 talking about relationships, remember the relationship between Joseph and Jacob. They had a very special relationship, a relationship really of delight. They delighted in each other how Jacob made this special coat of many colors for Joseph. It was all reflective of that special relationship. And it was this mutual delight that Joseph had in his father Jacob here as he brings in Jacob to set him before Pharaoh. So when it says in verse 7 that Joseph set Jacob before Pharaoh, we can see how he's honoring also, Joseph is honoring also the position of Pharaoh on his throne by setting his father Jacob lower than Pharaoh. And as soon as Jacob is set there, Jacob does something astounding in verse 7 when it says, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I mean, we read that right. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I mean, the Bible says 
in Hebrews 7, 7, Hebrews 7, 7, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So this verse is telling us that, that, that one in less state is blessed by the one who's in a better state. I mean, you know, the one who is in worse shape is blessed by the one who's in better shape. And looking at these two of Pharaoh and Jacob on the surface, you'd say, well, the newly arrived refugee who's been half starved to death by the famine is in worse shape than the Pharaoh over Egypt who has everything he wants. But, but it, therefore, it really should be Pharaoh better who is blessing Jacob the less. But that's not what it says in verse 7. Verse 7 says that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. I mean, how could that be? How could that be? I mean, it brings a very question, very important question. Who's in better shape, you know, Jacob or Pharaoh? I mean, what chutzpah, <laughs> what nerve for Jacob, the starving refugee seated before Pharaoh, that he should bless Pharaoh. But by blessing Pharaoh, by doing that, Jacob was making a very important statement to Pharaoh. And as Jacob looked around at all the wealth of Egypt, all the wealth of Pharaoh, all the temples, all the statues of what today we just see, whatever has remained after thousands of years, by blessing, by blessing Pharaoh, Jacob was in essence saying to Pharaoh the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said in Mark 8.36, Mark 8.36, what sh- for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So what Jacob is saying to Pharaoh is, Pharaoh, what shall it profit Pharaoh if Pharaoh should gain all of Egypt, which he had, and lose his own soul? And what should Pharaoh give in exchange for his soul? By the way, when the Lord said that, about the exchange part. He was saying that one man's soul is worth more than the whole world. And he proved that when he died for the souls of men. And the Lord Jesus was actually offered, at one point, it was like, it was offered the whole world by the devil if he would just obey the devil. And, and, and what the devil would have told the, the Lord to do is forget the cross, forget about the cross which would have meant forget about the souls of men to be saved by the cross. But the Lord Jesus refused the whole world in order to die for the souls of men, which shows the whole world has less value than one soul, than the souls of men. And ever since that, the devil has been trying to get believers to forget the cross, to forget the cross, not bring the gospel to the lost. And he entices believers, this is what he does, he entices believers to forget the cross and, and to focus much more on the world. Now, this is the message that Jacob was sending to Pharaoh when he blessed Pharaoh, that it was Jacob in his refugee dependent status was actually in better position as a prince of God than Pharaoh in his lesser position as a sovereign uh, over Egypt. So by blessing Pharaoh... I mean, I mean, let's think about what Jacob was in essence saying. Jacob is in essence saying, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than, than, than his riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd 
than to be the king of a vast domain. That was Egypt. Or be held in sin's, said, sin's dread sway. That was Egypt. A lot of sexual sins there. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. So what a statement that Jacob was making to Pharaoh when the first thing he does when he sees Pharaoh is to bless him. And what, Pharaoh, what Jacob did when he blessed Pharaoh is the same as when you and I say to the lost, I would like to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Hebrews 7, 7, without contradiction, the less is blessed by the better. Now, as Pharaoh is looking at Jacob here, he's just kind of taken back, taken aback by his appearance. I mean, Jacob, Jacob must have looked like he was a thousand years old. You know, I mean, think about Jacob's life. Pretty hard life. Pretty rough life. I mean, he's, he has to, he, coming out of the birth canal, He's having a conflict with his brother, and he's grabbing his heel. That's what his name means, Jacob, the heel. And so, and then he has to run away from home where a brother has committed himself to murder him. And then to be so taken advantage of for those, for those decades by an uncle in Syria who wanted to drain every last drop out of Jacob and forced Jacob to work in boiling summer and in the freezing winter and taking care of, of, uh, of, of his uncle's goats and sheep. And, and then also he could try to get the woman he loved, but instead he, he just wanted one wife. He just wanted one wife, this Rachel, the woman he loved. Instead he ends up with four wives. That's... <laughs> Okay, one's enough, four, boy. And this, this made Jacob's home a virtual war zone of hatred and envy. And then to have a daughter that was raped by a local prince. And then to have sons that wrongfully murder a whole city. And then to live in fear of being slaughtered by the Canaanites. And then to be petrified that his brother who was coming to him with 400 men was going to slaughter him and his family, and then to lose his favorite son and suspect that his, his, his other sons murdered him, and then to be nearly starved to death. Apart from that, he lived a very comfortable and sheltered life. <laughs> but that was the life of Jacob, pretty rough. Pretty rough life at every turn. And all of this has taken a really heavy toll on him. And when Pharaoh saw Jacob, he just wanted to say, what in the world happened to you? You look terrible. You, you look really bad. And, and so Pharaoh asked this question in verse 30, verse 8, verse 8. How old art thou? <laughs> and now Jacob answers Pharaoh's question in verse 9. And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few, few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. He just asked a simple question. How old are you? And that answer leaves Pharaoh scratching his head. And, 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 and after Jacob left, you know, someone came up to Pharaoh and said, 
So what did Jacob say when you asked him how old he was? Pharaoh would have said, well, I was expecting a simple answer like I'm 130 years old. But instead, he talked about days of years and pilgrimage and few and evil and the days of years of the lives of his fathers and their pilgrimage. This is just a lot to think about, you know, what I was told. And all I asked him was how old he was. But Jacob gave Pharaoh a lot to think about intentionally, purposefully, from his answer to the simple question of how old he was. And the key to understanding the answer that Jacob gave is found in the end of verse 7 when it says, in the end of verse 7, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. That's a very important detail because when it says that Jacob went out from before Pharaoh because it means that this was probably the first and the last time that Jacob would ever speak with Pharaoh and Jacob knew it. And so Jacob had this one and only chance to speak to the soul of Pharaoh. And Jacob was committed that he was not going to miss this opportunity. And so he used a simple question of how old he was to speak to Pharaoh's heart. You see something like this and you want to say to Jacob, bravo, Jacob, great job. And Jacob here is an example for us. It was, it, this is like the World Series of Evangelism, and Jacob comes to the plate, and the pitch was the question of, how old are you? And, and with his answer, he swings and he knocks it out of the park. Well, a boy, Jacob. What we see here is how the Spirit of God made Jacob perceive that this was his one and only chance to bring to Pharaoh to see his need and bring him the the gospel opportunity for Pharaoh to join Jacob, to join his his fathers on a pilgrimage of denying earth's and Egypt's pleasures and riches and seeking the true God. And Jacob was not for anything going to miss this opportunity. I mean, Jacob may have been old and his body was racked from a hard life and he was not, but he was was just not going to miss it. He was not going to miss this chance to win the soul of Pharaoh, and he didn't miss it. And, and, and Jacob realized he, he may never see Pharaoh again. And that's why the end of verse 10 is, is so important when it says he went out for the pre- from before Pharaoh. When he, so, so Jacob saw it's now or never with, with Pharaoh, and, and that's why it says, that's why that's so important. It was like God said, and afterward, afterward, it was like God said to Jacob, good job. Good job, soldier. Yeah, you had your chance. You were faithful to take it. Now, at ease, soldier, because the rest is Pharaoh's decision. That's Pharaoh's decision. Jacob here is such a challenging example for us to to look for those once, once, and maybe never again opportunities to bring the gospel. It reminds me of of when Sumitomo. Our, our distributor in Japan, got a new president of their diagnostics division, which is the one we worked with, in Osaka. And I came on Doshimachi Street. Maybe you don't know. But anyway, that's where all the pharmaceutical companies are located because they have a shrine to the pharmaceutical god. I never went in that shrine. I don't know if he was home or not when I was there. But anyway, that's what they have. 
And, and I came, and we had a large meeting where, where all the staff, because they got a new president, came to the meeting, and they asked me to say a few words about the importance of our collaboration, our relationship, our working together of Scanabodies and Sumitomo. And it was a big group. And I paused, and I looked around at all those precious souls in that room, and I said to myself, these will never go to church to hear the gospel. So the church has come to them. <laughs> I'm the preacher. This is the pulpit. And for 45 minutes, I poured my heart out to them. And I told them how, I was a, how it was that I was a dirty, rotten sinner. They thought, well, we thought you were the president of Scanabodies. No, dirty, rotten sinner. And how I thought that maybe God could help me and how I got a Bible and started to read, and I looked, and, 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 I, and I looked in the Bible, and I started on my journey that ended up when I ended, when I found that Jesus Christ was the true God, and he died for my sins, and how I received him, and he received life and pardon and cleansing. Now, that was over 10 years ago, and since then, the group has more or less broken up, and many have retired so that was my one and only opportunity to bring the gospel to those people. And this is what we see Joseph, Jacob doing here, is he's not holding back uh, or drawing away to, to, to bring the true God to, to Pharaoh. This is what we see, him, this, we see Jacob doing what Paul said in Acts 20, 27. Acts 20, 27, Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. What a great word, shun. You know, I have not shunned. You know, uh, 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 the gospel is both the message that we believe for our own salvation, but it's more. The gospel is also a trust that God has given to us. And when Jacob spoke about this pilgrimage to God, Jacob was being faithful to the trust just as we're supposed to be faithful. You know what you can call the gospel? You can call the gospel the gospel trust, because that's what it is. We, and it's also described in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. So that's the description of the gospel, allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. That's why the gospel can be called the gospel trust. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. 
or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Join us for the Taste of Creation silent auction and fundraiser for the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration and Friendship with God Ministries on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. Enjoy an amazing evening of fantastic food, music, prizes, and a special message by Ministry President Tom Cantor and guest speaker Frank Sherwin. Your participation and support of this fun-filled evening helps sustain these vital ministries to equip future generations and promote the furtherance of the gospel message. Register today at www.tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com.